0: Hello, hi, Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. During this Advent season, we're going through a number of passages that are um, focusing on uh, being prepared for the return of Christ and some of the passages that are focused on the first coming of Christ. And uh, during this week, that's what we really turn to is those traditional Christmas passages. And today we are in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, where we see the angel, the same angel that appeared to Zechariah, in yesterday's passage, that same angel Gabriel is now going to appear to marry the mother of Jesus. And so, Michael, if you would read this for us, that would be fantastic. Hear the word of the Lord.
1: In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, "Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you." Confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, And this is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Well, I had the opportunity to uh, preach on this very passage uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, But let me just start with a question for you, Michael. And that is, do you want to be highly favored?
1: Hmm. Yes, (laughs) most of the time. (laughs) But (laughs) in the context of this story, perhaps not.
0: Maybe just a little more favored than the next guy. Yeah. yeah. Mary, when Mary is greeted with this greeting, you know, you who are highly favored. Um, Mary is taken aback. She says she's disturbed here in other translations. it's She's actually afraid, not necessarily of the appearance of the angel, but by the content of what the angel says, uh, the, the, the nature of the greeting that you who are highly favored. And of course, we're left to wonder, to ponder what what she's thinking that the nature of these words, that this greeting would be frightening. And, and in the uh, sermon, my my kind of uh, imaginative guess was that Mary was familiar enough with God and with the scriptures that she knew that when other people were greeted by God uh, in similar fashion, it wasn't just to tell them, hey, you know, you're a great person, you know, I, you know good job. And that's not what was going on. In fact, this was usually what preceded a calling—that you know, to Abraham or Moses or or someone else. That when God appeared or the angel of the Lord appeared and brought this kind of uh, greeting, it often meant that God was going to commission this person to do something that you know would be wonderful in the long run. Would but. But would often involve a really frightening uh, journey or calling. Uh, and the way I phrased that before was that sometimes the calling of God can feel like a curse, especially if we have other plans. And so my, my imaginative guess was that Mary might have sensed, might have known enough to know that this favorable greeting was actually a little bit frightening. Maybe, maybe Mary was wishing in the moment that she was just a little bit less favored than she was, because it really was going to involve a difficult journey for her in in many ways, not just the the journey that she was going to have to take to Bethlehem as a pregnant woman, a young unwed teen uh, in a world that that didn't tolerate such things, that that first of all that, but also the journey of raising Jesus uh, into his adulthood and the journey to the cross and beyond, Uh, that that was going to be a very difficult journey for her uh, later on. Um, you know, I, I I think one of the things that uh, is really powerful about this moment is, in the end, Mary's ultimate response that when she hears this message, despite her fear, you know, there's almost this, you know, no pun intended, but this pregnant pause to be able to say to the Lord, "I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. Whatever it is that you're calling me to, God." Uh, May it be. Uh, I I shared in my uh, sermon this uh, moment that I had where I was standing outside the Houghton College Chapel with my hand reaching out for the door, but frozen in a moment, just this moment of holy dread, wondering, you know, if I said God to yes to God in in such a way, you know, what God might do with my life, and it really was frightening in the moment. And I have to say that after uh, that message, I, I received a lot of uh, feedback. A lot of uh, people had uh, questions, wanted to talk about that with me. Um, probably more than any other sermon I, I've given. And I don't think that's because of the quality of the sermon. I think it's because that that's, this central challenge is so true for us that it really speaks to our heart. In fact. One person came at it from a different angle, said what they really appreciated about it is that they were thinking, you know, I haven't had that kind of moment of holy dread in a long time. This person was saying, I haven't had that that in my life for a long time. And it really got me thinking, you know, maybe I've been choosing to live an overly safe and cautious life. Maybe I haven't made myself really available to God. I'm just Living a world, uh, living a life of comfort rather than a, a life of calling to discipleship, and so I was really encouraged to hear uh, that kind of response. But in any case, I, I I love Mary's response here. I think it really is a call to all of us to be able to respond in a similar way. Uh, but Michael, I'm wondering what what you think about this. Uh, what you think about this passage? I know that uh, you've been leading. Uh, I think the was it the middle schoolers or the high schoolers? I think uh, through a study where you looked at this very passage. Uh, what did you find?
1: Yeah, we, um, this past Friday with the Metro West High School group, we have a Bible study once a month and we decided to reflect on your sermon and this passage in particular. And it was just, it was a really cool conversation, could go a lot into that. Uh, But I think like one insight that was really, um, I don't know, I I just really didn't, hadn't looked at it from this angle was just how God in the story is, um, shows us how, or the story shows us how God works through both ordinary and extraordinary means. And like in the the ordinary being that Mary, you know, um, when we, we, we at this at this stage of our, you know, when we read back into the text, like we can we have this this really, I guess, like high view of Mary as we should. But as the story kind of presents it, her, she's there's nothing that really stands out about her. Right. She's she's this ordinary uh, girl going through ordinary kind of an ordinary life. Um, as far as we can tell, there's no details really given. But but God chooses her to be highly favored and and then but then we see the extraordinary means where um she's a virgin and god says i'm going to um bring uh the savior of the world through you this angel tells her you know she asked the question and it's like oh that's that's really extraordinary that um is supernatural right and it's supernatural even through the natural means and and i think that was just something that was um i just hadn't looked at it from that so it gave me encouragement to be like huh at times i feel very ordinary Right. And I look towards so many extraordinary people and I'm like, oh, God's going to really work through them. Um, or even even people come to me, they're like, how is God going to use me? Just like this average person or this person who, who doesn't really seem to stand out. And, and I think like this story can encourage us to remind us that like God, like in almost every biblical story, God uses pretty ordinary people and does extraordinary at times does extraordinary things through them. But it's not because those people are necessarily extraordinary, but it's because God is extraordinary. And I think that's kind of the the purpose, a lot or something we can see in these stories. Um, so that's something that's something I noticed, and um, it just
0: provide like gives me encouragement. Yeah, as you say that, it um, reminds me of uh, there is this uh, a book I was reading, and uh, you know, what does it mean to be converted to Christ? Uh, to receive this new life. And, and this perspective was, was saying that at least as we experience it, what's really going on is prior to becoming a believer, what we, uh, what we do is we have an idea of who we are and our place in the world, a story in essence, right? Like there's a story that we tell ourselves or a story that we believe. And in that story, um, there are various people and, and I'm kind of the center of that story. This is my story. But in becoming a believer, what we what happens is we encounter a story that is larger than our own. We encounter the story of God and God's people. And we then see ourselves, we begin to see ourselves, uh, see our story as just a part of God's story. So we're not the central character in our story anymore. And in fact, our story is only a small part of a larger story. And, and one example that uh, they gave of this was um, Augustine, a uh, famous uh, church father, uh, wrote a book called the confessions and and in that book there's this there's this one instance where he's recalling how when he was a young man not yet a believer um how they stole uh an apple from the orchard of his neighbor and and how that apple tasted all the sweeter because of the sin of having stolen it that there was this you know this heightened experience and and the reflection on this was that that story is not the story that Augustine would have told as the teenager eating that apple. That story, seeing it as this having this heightened uh, taste from, from the taste of the sin, that is the story as he now understands it, having been converted, having his story become part of a larger story. So he now sees even his own story and interprets his own story in light of this larger story of the narrative of God. So uh, I, I think what I love about that is this idea of seeing our stories as part of a larger story, God's story, just like Mary does here, where I think in essence, what she's saying is like, I'm the Lord's servant, may it be as you have said, in essence, she's saying, okay, my life is yours, I, I find my life is going to be part of God's story, however God wants to use me, That that's uh, what's going to happen, that you know, we're ordinary people, and God can do extraordinary things through us because because we're part of God's story God's incorporating us as a chapter in in the in the longer much larger story of of what God is doing in the world and so that can be scary because it's it's scary to give up center stage it's scary to say that I'm not the center of my own story anymore in fact uh, I am the Lord's servant uh, anyway uh, that's something that's been meaningful to me over time I, I I hope it's helpful to you or maybe you have questions about it or or have a different perspective I don't know
1: yeah i think so i there's there is one part of this that just stands out to me, too, of like in terms of like grasping that larger story is like when Mary asks the question of like, how can this be? The the angel replies and we we hear him, you know, him tell exactly what's going to how it's going to happen. But then he finishes off by saying um, like the word of God will never fail. And I mm-hmm. I and that's when Mary responds. And I, I don't know, there's just like this contrast, because if I recall from the Zechariah passage that the like Gabriel could have said the same thing, but he doesn't. But in this instance, it's like he, he says that the word of God will never fail. And and I think that's at times like like that's the when I'm asking questions about faith or life, like <laughs> as much as I want like a sign or like I want to know or it's like when I can really come to hear that voice that like the word of God will never fail. And then when I remember what the words of God are, where it's like God is for us, God has given us Jesus, God is um, going to reconcile all things. To himself and, and it's like oh that's the word of God and that will never fail it's like okay God let it be so like I'm your servant that's when I can come to that that like that that um
0: response well w- one last nerd moment it, it reminds me of uh, for those of you who are Lord of the Rings fans uh, when uh, frodo and Sam break off from the rest of the fellowship and they're about to enter into Mordor and it's this moment of tremendous fear uh, Frodo's overcome with this sense he says I cannot help but feel that we're taking part in a story that has already been written. Of course, he's a character in a story that we're reading at that moment. But it really is, uh, I think, uh, gives us Tolkien's perspective as as a Catholic believer, that uh, this idea that we are actors in a much larger story that has been written or is being written by the God of the universe. And there is a tremendous amount of comfort that we can find, even if we are like, Frodo and Sam, or like Mary, even if we are um, very ordinary, or even feel like we're less than ordinary people, but knowing that we're part of God's story means that anything can happen. Things that are far beyond our understanding can take place, and we can take comfort that it's not up to us, but it's in control of an author who's much greater than us. Well, in any case, Michael, uh, before I go even more dirty, why don't you uh, close us in prayer? Of course.
1: Lord, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you for the ways that you work through ordinary and extraordinary means. God, I pray that we could be like Mary, that we could hear your word and remember that it will never fail. And God, I pray that we could live like that is true and share that good news um, that you brought to us, to everyone we encounter and meet during this Advent season. And to your name we pray, Jesus, and ask these things. Amen.
0: Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today, and I hope you'll join us again tomorrow as we just have a few more days left to Christmas. Go in peace.